Hello friends, welcome to Wednesday Wake Up, a podcast hosted by Gregory Maloof, Buddhist Dharma teacher in the lineage of Ruth Dennison, mental health therapist, and mindfulness coach. Wednesday Wake Up explores the ancient teachings of Buddhism through the lens of Western psychology, neuroscience, and the modern human potential movement. Our commitment is for these teachings to educate, challenge, and inspire you to awaken to your deepest potential to live a truly fulfilling life of wisdom, joy, and compassion. Thank you for joining us. May these teachings serve you well. The following episode of Wednesday Wake Up features a guest teacher. Gary Sanders of Boundless Heart Dharma. Gary is a Los Angeles-based mindfulness teacher, and he was the founder of SCV Mindfulness and was empowered to lead Buddhist meditation and Dharma groups at Against the Stream Buddhist Meditation Society. He helped from the ground level to found Refuge Recovery, a Buddhist-based recovery program for all addictions, which is now spread worldwide. Gary travels frequently and teaches daylongs and workshops all around North America. We are delighted to welcome Gary to Wednesday Wake Up. Please enjoy the following episode, and may all beings be happy. So my name is Gary Sanders. I use he and him pronouns. I am logging in in North Hollywood, California. Still on the teaching staff at Portland Insight with Gregory. Uh, I'm just waiting for them to kick me off because <laughs> I live here permanently now. <laughs> with every being, everything being on Zoom, I can still, I can still teach. I should have some half days or some workshops coming up within the next quarter at Portland Insight. Anyway, it is good to be here with you all. And a lot of familiar faces, some other new ones that I haven't seen. If we haven't met before, you're going to have a way different experience with me than you did with Gregory. <laughs> the interesting thing is Gregory and I's practice has been very similar and so we have a very uh, similar shared vocabulary within our experiences, but then, but, but how we present it is very, very different. And you know, different flavors for everybody. You know, I'm I'm going to do things different tonight. I know he talked about the the structure about uh, I think starting with a meditation and then having a talk afterwards. I want to give a some background and some some history and some instructions on the practice that I've been doing for years now that has really rocketed. <laughs> it has turbocharged my personal practice. I've just found such great benefit for it. So this is kind of the main thing that I teach now. Uh, so I wanted to give that kind of thing and then we'll meditate. And then afterwards we'll take a, a break and maybe talk a little bit more and do Q and A at the end and all that. So that's just kind of how the, the evening's going to roll out. So yeah, before we jump into that, let's just ground ourselves a little bit. I like to do three big breaths. So you can close your eyes or you can leave them open if you want, but taking in a big full breath in through the nose and then a real slow breath out through the mouth. Like you're blowing out candles, but make that out breath twice as long as the in breath. Big full breath out. Another big full breath in. All the way to the bottoms of the lungs, and then a real slow release. Let your shoulders drop, let the belly soften. And then one more big breath, biggest one we've taken today. And a slow release. Just letting the whole body soften on that out breath. Just allowing yourself to arrive. 
his body. Arriving in this moment. Opening your eyes if you're if they're closed right now and allowing yourself to arrive to the group, this Sangha. I learned this practice because I really got into the jhanas, practicing absorbed concentration practices to get into the absorbed concentration states in the, into the jhanas. Gregory, I would I think Gregory talks about this fairly frequently because he's really big into, into jhana practice as well. So I've been doing that for a while. And one of the last retreats that I did using the Mahasi Sayada instructions through Pa'ak, um, the Bur this Burmese school, their concentration practices are based very much on the Vasudhi Maga, the commentaries uh, that Buddha Dasa wrote hundreds of years ago. But you know, very recent commentaries to uh, the teachings of the Buddha, to the Pali Canon. So those instructions work great. I, I got to fourth jhana on retreat. Uh, Shayla Catherine is a wonderful teacher in the South Bay, and she uh, gave me some private instruction on a retreat. And I'd, I'd been doing first jhana for a while, but yeah, by the, by the end of 10 days, I was fourth jhana. Great. I also found, and and. It's been kind of a similar experience to a lot of other people. I went home, and for a while I was able to get in first or second jhana just at, at, at will. You know, not even have to sit. I could just, I could be in traffic and just allow myself to get absorbed, eyes open and, and connected and everything. But as time went on, that started getting less and less and less. And, and I would try and get in, I would try and get deeper into my jhana practice on day long. You know, say, like, Lee Brazenton was visiting, came down here, and you know, sat with us. Lee Brazenton, he teaches the jhanas. I'm going to do this. Didn't even come close. <laughs> I tried too hard. That those very pinpointed concentration practices. If you put too much effort in it, you're just it's a it's a carrot before the horse. You're just not going to reach it. So you know, in in that school, the one thing that I always told people is just let go, let go, keep letting go. I mean, you know, we say that all the time in this practice, but really just, you know, letting go of that effort and just allowing. That's kind of changed my perception on what enlightenment is. You know, the, when the Buddha realized enlightenment, realized liberation, realized Nibbana, he didn't go anywhere. He didn't really do anything. He realized it in a moment. And, you know, I think it's one of those big paradoxes. He had to go through all those years of aesthetic practice, all those years of, of hardcore concentration practice, and then he and then he finally like gave up. He's like, I'm just gonna sit here under this tree. <laughs> and then, you know, and after uh, after a fairly short period of time, he realized total liberation. And, you know, that's the that's the thing that I've kind of found more and more and more with these practices. It's Maybe we had to have a lifetime of suffering. Maybe we had to go through all these different practices and these schools and everything. And then we finally get to a point, this has been my experience, we get to the point to, that we realize to get to a really peaceful place, to get into a radical acceptance, it doesn't take any effort whatsoever. 
So, you know, that, that kind of in line with how I used to say, you know, to get to the jhanas, just let go, let go, let go. Got to fourth jhana, as time went on, not going on retreat for, you know, just a, a retreat once a year. I just, after a while, I just gave up on trying the, to do the jhanas other than when I was on a week-long or a 10-day retreat. And I was just kind of resolved to like, yeah, I mean, fourth jhana's great. And then <laughs> some some periods, some uh, some years later, actually I was in Portland and somehow I found some talks about the jhanas from a monk and I made some comments on YouTube and then uh, I got some responses, not from the monk, but from his, like, uh, his, his main senior teacher, this guy David Johnson, wrote back to me. And we found out coincidentally that... Uh, David Johnson and then the monk Bonte V. Ramsey, they used to be with Robert, and I still don't know exactly. Sometimes Robert talks about Robert Beatty, by the way, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Robert Beatty, the, the founder, the guiding teacher at Portland Insight. He's talked about being in a Buddhist cult a while ago. I kind of think that Robert and David and then Bonte, and it was before Bonte was in robes, I kind of think it was the Buddhist cult. Maybe it wasn't, so maybe it was another, maybe a healthier thing, whatever. It was many years ago, so there's this connection, right? Once this this man took robes, you know, was given the Dharma name, Bonte Villamalaramzi, he was really um, intent on these concentration practices in, in, you know, in the Burmese tradition, in Mahasi Saida, Pa'ak, these very pinpointed uh, concentration practices. Single point of focus, you know, like micro spot focus. That's, that was what I found to be really effective. Bonte tried that. He did that for a very long time, and he just kept hitting a wall, and he realized kind of like the Buddha, like, this isn't bringing total liberation. This isn't bringing uh, freedom. So he he actually went to a cave. <laughs> he took the Pali Canon, I think it was I think it was the middle-length discourses, he took the middle-length discourses, and he lived in a cave for, for three years. <laughs> and he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he tried his best to practice on exactly the way the Buddha taught you know which are very kind of minimal instructions but he followed those instructions and he found his practice to really go much much further deeper 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 into the the immaterial jhanas you know there's eight jhanas there's the four they call them the four material, or they call them the sutta jhanas, and then the, the other four are these formless, these these uh, uh, immaterial or non-material, um, expansive um, states. So you know he got he got to the state, and he he tried this again and again, and you know he found it to be effective. He left the cave, he started teaching it. Uh, other people started progressing super super quickly, and what he is. What he calls these pra this practice is tranquil wisdom insight meditation. The, the word tranquil is really important. The, the main practice that he teaches, the main technique that he teaches that I found to really supercharge my practice can be used in any practice. And you know, I know when I fill in for Robert sometimes on the, the morning meditation, I've given this instruction, so you may have heard me talk about it before, but it's called the six R's, and I'm gonna describe what it is. 
six different things. To, they all start with the letter R. That's why they call the six R's. <laughs> this is a process. You don't have to remember them all. You don't even have to write them down if you don't want to. Uh, there's really only two or three that you need to remember and, and, and practice. So the six R's are practiced every time you get distracted. Every time a hindrance arises in your practice, you practice the six R's. And, and Bonte calls this right effort. He says, this is what right effort is. This is based on what the Buddha taught exactly. Not the commentaries, but what the Buddha taught. Tranquil, um, right effort, the six R's. So what happens? You know, and of course, that's the thing that happens the most in our practice, right? We get distracted whether it's external or internal. We, you know, all the, the thinking that arises, the self-talk, the inner narrator, the sensations that arise in the body, uh, the emotions sometimes, you know, all the external stuff, just, just, you know, grabbing our sense doors, the stuff that we hear and smell and touch and, and taste. So there's a distraction. The first R, recognize there's a distraction. We're all meditators. We do that anyway. <laughs> if you didn't recognize it, it'd be unconscious. So you couldn't do anything about it anyway. <laughs> First R, recognize there's a, a distraction. Uh, this is where the action comes in. Second R is release. Release the mind's attention on the distraction, right? The mind jumps out. The monkey mind, right? Monkey mind swings to the distraction. So we release that attention on that distraction and then we relax tranquil wisdom relax the mind relax the body you know I through the years this is the thing I've I've found more and more and more you know when I the more I can just soften my belly Stephen Levine always talked about soft belly meditation so you know soften the belly and, and drop the shoulders but then relaxing the mind is something that I think we all need to kind of figure out how that works for ourselves I get a felt sense. I did this with the Mahasi Sayada instructions. When I let go, let go more and more and more and, and realized absorbed concentration states, I, there was a felt sense in my mind of uh, just a, 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 a relaxing, a, a softening, a, a little more expansive. Instead of the, you know, our minds kind of contract on the distractions and it's just, you know, this, this, this openness. So that's the, the, Third R is relax. And then this is the fun part, the tranquil wisdom. This is a smiling meditation. Every time there's a distraction, you're gonna release the mind's attention, you're gonna relax and you're gonna smile. And since we're gonna do it again and again, you're gonna re-smile. So that's the, <laughs> the fourth R. <laughs> smile at every distraction. This isn't Bizarre. I mean, it, may, it might sound uh, it might sound weird. It might sound uh, foreign to you. But just think about just about every statue of the Buddha that you see. He's got a little half smile. It's the practice. Just a you don't have to have a big toothy grin. Just a little smile. Maybe even a, an energetic smile in your heart, heart center. You know, in, in, in reaction to that. So we smile, and then we return. Fifth R, we return to our object of meditation, whatever it is. And then six R, we repeat. Repeat with every distraction. So that's the framework. Recognize there's a distraction. 
release the mind's attention on that distraction, relax the mind, relax the body, re-smile again and again, return with kindness, return with friendliness. That's the thing I've been teaching for a long time. Returning gently and lovingly and forgivingly to your object of meditation and then repeat as necessary. So that's the six R's. You don't have to remember it. Please don't stress about it. You don't have to remember it in order. If you've been meditating for a while, the only thing that I remember, the only thing that I, I kind of you know remind myself to do is relax and smile. That's all. I, I think maybe for people that are newer to the practice, the release part is really important too. Because uh, you know, for for those of us that have been practicing for a while, that release part—that's the thing we've been we've been practicing a lot. You know, we release that attention, come back to our object of meditation, right? So, release, relax, smile. If you get it out of order, if you smile and then you relax, it still works. <laughs> That's great. You can't screw it up. <laughs> I will say, I think the reason I was drawn to this so much is because in my own personal practice, you know, with me cultivating friendliness in my practice, it took a really long time to get there. And then, you know, that's the thing that I, I teach. I, I really try and offer to people because it's been so revolutionary so so game changing you know completely changing my relationship with myself when i'm able to respond to the difficult stuff with friendliness respond to myself my own reactions my own conditioning all that's that involuntary stuff that comes up so a lot of times i would smile i allowed myself to enjoy the meditation i would i would smile at the absurdity of you know my conditioning like oh i'm getting mad because i heard this thing or this thought came up and this emotion came up and you know and, and like you can so clearly see the the impermanence and the 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 impersonal impersonal nature of it, and it's just silly, you know. That's the other thing that Robert and I really get along with: just being able to laugh at everything, laugh at the absurdity of of this human condition and our and our condition and our trauma and our uh, all these patterned responses. So. I was already kind of doing it, but the instruction to do it with every distraction, whew, that changed everything. To be able to cultivate that tranquility, that's, it's just, it's, it's a, a deeper level of letting go more and more and more. So Bonte and so many others have, have started practicing the six R's. Um, like, like I said, he, he calls it right effort. Um, I, I would, I, you know, I was a little skeptical at first, and but I'm, I'm a believer. <laughs> I've learned firsthand this, this feels like the right effort. Uh, the other thing that, uh, that he's kind of changed in the Eightfold Path, right? We have the, the living ethically, cultivating wisdom, and then training our minds. Training our minds is the right effort, right mindfulness. And we always hear right concentration. And Bonte says, you know, that's really thrown the, 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 the translating samadhi to concentration is um, just too restrictive. And it's, and it's all very much based on the Vasudhimaga, not on what the Buddha taught. So he's changed it. He says a, a more proper translation of samadhi is collectedness. And I would have to agree with that too. The, 
when you get into these absorbed concentration states through relaxation, through tranquility, it feels like you're collected. It's expansive collectedness. It's not, it's not hardcore pinpointed concentration. And, you know, and again, I, I, might, I might have mentioned this earlier, but I think it's really important to say, before the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree, he, he found a, a concentration master. He, he practiced that for a while. He surpassed his master, his teacher of this concentration practice. And he knew, he realized, he found out that concentration, hardcore pinpointed concentration on its own doesn't bring liberation. So here we go, right effort. And we're going to practice right effort and right collectedness tonight. <laughs> we're going to practice the six R's. The other thing that, that Bonte teaches to realize freedom is to practice this tranquil wisdom, practice this relaxation into the practice, and you will just automatically go through the jhanas. And at the end of the jhanas, you reach cessation, and then you realize liberation. It's that simply. It's laid out in the suttas as well. So to, to enter the jhanas, to realize the jhanas, again, it's right here and now. It's just, you know, just a, a slight shift of perception of letting go and in, in, in flowing into this expansive state. The practice to get into the jhanas, to find this relaxation, is metta. So another thing that I love teaching metta. That's <laughs> the main the most transformative practice for me as well. He teaches it in a very simple and different way. You know, so many of us have learned metta to be a repetition of phrases. And it works, right? I mean, we've all done, I've, you know, Sharon Salzberg's phrases and Jack Kornfield's phrases. Maybe we've come up with our own. And, and one of my favorite phrases is from um, my teacher, George Haas, down here in, in L.A. I love you. Keep going. Just repeating over and over to yourself and to others, I love you, keep going. Super effective. But the Buddha talked about cultivating a boundless heart of loving kindness, radiating out. That word, how many times have we seen that in different translations of the Metta Sutta? Radiating out loving kindness. Metta, maybe loving friendliness might be a, a little more appropriate translation of Metta. Rating out, out loving kindness. So the way that Bonte teaches it is to just bring up a memory of something that made you happy. Uh, from an, an experience, uh, a situation, a person, a pet, whatever, a, a sunset, a piece of art, uh, some music, something when, so number one, this isn't a made up practice. This is something that you actually experienced yourself. And we're just remembering. And that's that's another translation of uh, Vipassana is a remembering. So we're remembering a time when we're happy and allowing ourselves to feel it again. And then we start to radiate that out, that feeling. So we really cultivate a feeling of metta. Uh, Tanjeff calls metta or translates it as goodwill. We start to radiate out this goodwill. And then we offer it to ourselves, offer it to others. The way the Bhante teaches it, eventually you radiate it out in the directions. So it's not the traditional 
the West, I should say, the tr the Western traditional way of radiating out to benefactors and then neutral people and then the enemy and then to all beings everywhere. He just, you know, radiating out in all directions. Um, that's the, the point you get to. But the starting point with metta, the way that he teaches it, and I think this is uh, really effective too, whether it's new to you, whether you haven't done metta that much, or if you've been doing it for a while, our first part of the object of meditation, radiating out the metta, and then cultivating the, the feeling, I should say, and then we radiate it out to a spiritual friend. How many times do we hear that, the story of, of how incredibly powerful it is and, and needed to have a kalyanamita, a spiritual friend? And the suttas as well. You know, Ananda, the famous story about Ananda. Went to the Buddha. Hey, Buddha, is it true that having a spiritual friend is half the of the holy life or the half of the practice? And the Buddha, you know, the no Ananda, don't say that. Having a spiritual friend is the whole of the practice path. So radiate it out to a spiritual friend. And a helpful instruction with this is pick a spiritual friend of someone you're not related to. You're not. Uh, romantically connected to. I see a couple couples here. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the least amount of strings attached. A true spiritual friend. Somebody that we think of, and when, we, when we think of them, it makes us smile. Or maybe maybe we think of how much they, they care about us and our well-being. So, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, the thing that I use the most to start to, to radiate out metta, to, to cultivate the feeling. There's a picture of me when my daughter, my daughters are young women now, but when they were little, little, there's a picture of, of one on each side of me and they were just grabbing, they had their arms around my neck and they were just squeezing me with all their might. And my youngest daughter, Zeta, she was, she, I don't know, she was probably like three or four or something at the time. She just had her teeth gritted, but she had a big, you know, big grin on her face. When I just think of that picture, it just makes my heart open, smile. It's just, it's just, it's such a, a pure, wholesome experience. It was just beautiful love. So that just makes me feel that feeling. It starts to feel like a warm feeling, or or maybe it's, it starts to feel like like light radiating out of your heart center. So think of what your go-to is, the thing that you can bring to mind. Again, you know, maybe it's your pet the first time you held your child. Uh, maybe when you got married. When I'm trying to think of something a little more wholesome. <laughs> Some material things come up. I don't know why. <laughs> the the vacation you were on. That's another one. I think the time I was in a hammock in in Mexico and it was just gorgeous. So that's your that's your go to the thing to help you cultivate the spiritual friend. I've used. Robert before that that worked for me. I my my friend Jordan uh, from LA here. We we kind of grew up in the Dharma together. Jordan is usually my go-to for spiritual friend. You know I I deeply care for this guy and he deeply cares for me. We tell each other we love each other every time we we talk or we see each other. So you know it's just it's one of those easy things. What is easy for you? Don't make this hard for yourself. 
whatever, you know, and, and it's one of those things, if, if nothing has come into mind right now about a an experience or, you know, something that makes you happy, just kind of, just kind of allow yourself to relax a little bit and then just whatever comes to mind. And maybe it's not your all-time favorite person or your all-time favorite situation, like just whatever arises. And the, the feeling to radiate out, it doesn't have to be this big blast, this powerful blast of meta blasting out of your heart. If it's just a little trickle, it's okay. What, you know, whatever it's, that's the truth of the moment, right? We don't want to make anything up. So we radiate out that to our spiritual friend. And all things are impermanent. Our minds will be distracted. Maybe the, the image of our spiritual friend, whatever that looks like for you too. Maybe it's a clear image. Maybe it's a super blurry image. Maybe it's just a whisper of their name in your mind. Whatever works. Sometimes that goes away. So we bring it back up again. The feeling is not solid, static. It's not going to last and last and last. It'll get bigger and it'll get smaller and it might go away. So we bring up the memory again. Or maybe bring up another memory. So that's, you know, it's, it's the dance. That's the practice. So we're going to sit for a while and we're going to practice. This, of course, this isn't required. Yeah, if, if you don't want to do this, if you just want to do your own thing, like I would know anyway, <laughs> it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if you'd like to play along, the six R's, every distraction, relax and smile. And then we'll, we'll, I'll give some instruction in the beginning, but I really want us, we're going to sit in silence mostly to allow ourselves to practice this, radiate out to our spiritual friend. So finding a comfortable way to sit, this is the other thing with, with loving kindness, with most of the practices I teach, I would love it if you could recline back. If you're on a couch right now, if you're in a chair, just recline back. If you can lay down, great. Totally, you know, whatever facilitates the heart to open, whatever creates openness, you know, that's the other, we don't want to cross our arms, we don't want to cross our legs, we don't want to interlace our fingers or grip anything tightly or ball our fists up. Open, flowing, releasing, relaxing. So let's do it. We're going to sit for, what time is it? We're going to sit for 40 minutes and then we'll have a break. And if Gregory has never told you how long your meditation is. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> if you found a, if you noticed, or if those three deep breaths were effective for you earlier, I encourage you to do it again. Just three big deep breaths in through the nose, real long breath out through the mouth.
you know, let go of the effort in the breath. We just allow the breath to find its own natural pace. Turn our awareness inward and just do a little body sweep. Just noticing if there's any areas of the body that are in tension or stress. We try and soften, we try and release. So we check in with the little muscles in the face, the brow, the, the jaw, the lips, softening, releasing, relaxing, the eyelids, the neck and the shoulders. Just allowing your shoulders to drop down away from the ears. Belly soften, really let the belly go. The hips and the pelvis releasing any heaviness. Unclenching the sit bones. And then just lovingly sweeping through the muscles and the joints and the arms and the legs. Bringing awareness all the way into the hands and the fingers. Really making sure that your hands are at ease, peaceful, resting on your lap, gently at your sides. And the feet, your toes are uncurled. The feet are at rest as well. yourself to drop down deeper and deeper into the body. Think of any other tension or stress that you can let go of. Start practicing metta. So you bring to mind in a situation, experience, whether it's a person, a pet, place, art, beauty of some form or another. Bring to mind this memory when we were happy and allow yourself a deep remembering of this experience and allowing yourself to feel happy again. And we smile. We smile with this happy memory and we let our hearts smile. Sit with this for a few minutes, and just allowing ourselves to radiate out, meta, let our 
hearts fill up, let it flow through our body. Remembering the six are every distraction. Releasing the mind's attention on the distraction. Relaxing the mind and the body. Re-smiling again and again. And gently bringing ourselves back. Bringing this memory to mind. Letting ourselves feel this happy feeling again. This metta start to radiate out of our hearts. Gently bringing to mind our Kalyanamita, our spiritual friend. 
someone that we have a platonic, wholesome relationship with. Bring them to mind all that looks like for them. Allowing yourself to start to radiate out this metta, out of your heart center, to your spiritual friend. smile and extending it out, radiating out to our spiritual friend. Maybe even imagine them, them smile and receiving. And if you find it helpful to just use one simple phrase just to help you stay on track, just to simply, silently, Slowly repeat, may you be happy. May you be happy. So let's sit for a while. The Kalyanamita and smile.
And so we gently let go of our Kalyanamita, our spiritual friend, just letting them dissolve away or fade away. Sending them off with a blessing. Just allowing this metta to radiate out of your heart to yourself. This last couple minutes of the practice. Smile in your heart. Fill the heart up. Radiate out to your mind, to your body. With this one simple phrase. May I be happy. May I be happy. So continuing to extend kindness to your body, giving it whatever it needs, a stretch, a bend, maybe a little hydration. Eventually, if, so if you want to practice this going forward, um, it is recommended to, to get into the jhanas. Uh, it's recommended you need to sit for about an hour, um, usually, uh, or longer if you can, but like an hour is a good uh, deal of time to allow yourself to finally, you know, really get tranquil, to really relax and, and uh, yeah, go into jhana. Um, the other thing is if you, when you do this for a while, you will notice that that feeling of metta coming out of your heart eventually, and it just happens on its own, um, it's going to move up to your head and then it just feels like you're radiating out uh, metta out of your, your head. And when that happens, then you can switch over from the spiritual friend. Then you can just extend it out to all beings to the six directions. But radiate it out for a while until you feel complete out, you know, in front of you, behind you, to the side, up and down. And yeah, and just sit radiating out to in all directions. So that's the system. Uh, it's the, the short... The shortened term for it is TWIM, Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation. Thanks for practicing with me tonight. Thanks for coming. 
Thanks for joining us here at Wednesday Wake Up. We honor the traditional Buddhist practice of offering the teachings without charge. So this podcast will always be ad-free and will never be behind a paywall. This podcast is sustained exclusively by the generosity of listeners. If you've received value from this podcast and have found your life or practice enriched by listening to it, you can support Gregory as a teacher by going to our website, www.wednesdaywakeup.com, and click on Donate at the menu on the top. While you're here at the website, join our mailing list and follow Gregory on Instagram at Gregory Maloof Dharma. Thank you again for listening. May all beings be happy.